two in one. What what were we just saying? We're in business. Yeah, we're in business. We're, what? <laughs> we, we, we were talking mics or something right now. I, I had a uh, five fine, one of those five fine mics. You, uh, how much did it cost you? Dude, I don't even remember. I got it for Christmas, so I didn't Gee, buy nice. it. Nice. <laughs> hell yeah. You got to you get it where you can take it. You know, it. It's, even, it's even better that way. You, um... And you have your own podcast too. That's what you use it all for, right? That's right. Yeah, I, I've uh, I haven't made too many of like the actual podcasts uh, lately. I've been doing the reels and stuff like that on Instagram. Yeah. So that's been the majority. I need to, I need to get your kind of set up right there. Man. Oh, I mean, please listen. First of all, <laughs> it's a lot of work. I just thought you were drinking a candle. The way that looked, I was like, "What the hell is that?" It's just a leather. bourbon, baby. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, what's this saying? No, so. You don't need this garbage. I mean, like, it's a lot of fun. It's really cool. And I'm like, it's nice to look at, but it's not nice for the wallet. And honestly, if, <laughs> if you're not, if the content's not there, why put all that effort into the background? But I would, I will say this. Um, it, it does make it fun for other people that come on board. Um, That's right. But yeah, like the money, man. You're, what are you drinking? Bur- bourbon you said just now? Yeah, man. This is some uh, Legent. You ever had that? I, okay. Okay. Listen, listen, buddy. I, I'm listening. <laughs> I actually okay, so I don't drink, which is a big problem actually. I'm gonna okay. be I'm gonna start drinking in a few weeks, which sounds weird. But let me explain to you the story. Um, first of all, I have two series on my podcast. I have one series which is what we're doing right now. We're talking, we're shooting the shit, we're having fun, we're fig- figuring things out. That's one of the series that I do, and the other one is called Screenshots, where it's a movie podcast and. Each uh, player on the game, because it's, it's a drinking game uh, movie podcast, uh, they write down five words, and they keep them hidden from everybody else. If somebody says one of those secret five words, they have to take a shot. So I have a bunch of alcohol on the back of my table right now. <laughs> but everyone gives me a hard time because I don't drink, so they, like, slap me with a rubber band or something. But I will start drinking, I think, for the next month. Uh, but I was interested in what, in what bourbon that was because maybe I'll, I'll add it to the table. Dude, you got to get me on that podcast. Hell yeah, bro. That you sounds, fucking come over here. Where that sounds like something up more up. You're, you're in Jersey, right? I'm in Jersey, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I'm down in South Carolina, so Jesus it'll, be a, it'll be a flight. That'd, but, be, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be a lot of work to come do an hour-long movie podcast. But look, I'm, I'm down for it. There's this one guy. His Dude. name it, What? <laughs> I'd do it, bro. I'd do fucking it. Fucking do it. Fucking come over here. There's this one guy. His name is Cade. So cool. He's got a podcast too. It's called Joyage. Um, he's a phenomenal person. He, it, his story is incredible. And if anyone listening, you should go check him out. What he does is he rented a, uh, not rented, he bought a Prius and now drives around the country and just, and works DoorDash on the weekends. So he lives in his car and does like a, like a wild America kind of thing. It's so fucking cool. And in a Prius. In a Prius. And he's going to come drive to Jersey to do a podcast with me. I'm so fucking excited. You're serious? Yeah, I'm serious. That's awesome, dude. How cool I is that? I've been thanking Elon Musk for that uh, infrastructure stuff he's putting in. Oh, all yeah. All those electric well, yeah. charging stations. I guess yeah. so. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm like. Yeah, I, how, how else would he charge his car on Well, the yeah, well, it's gas, it's gas and electric, I think. Gotcha. I think it does both. Um, so it's like the duo. Bro, he's living the dream. I mean, like, listen, the grass is always greener on the other side, but he looks like he's having a great time. <laughs> Um, well, I was thinking about doing that in my uh, in my Miata, bro. But I had to decommission it. Why? I have one of those. Uh, uh. Well, I thought I was a mechanic for a little bit. I thought I, I was wasn't real quick. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, I, I had to decommission it, get a new car. But that's all right. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to do a little road trip in it. <clears throat> so, so you were just saying, listen, if there's ever a chance 
that you can or you just end up in Jersey, you fucking come over and we're going to do some Dude. shit. That'd be fucking awesome. Fuck yeah, bro. Holy shit. Um, but also, got, just, I, I want to be on that drinking game. That's, yeah. That's, oh, man. My friend, my co-host Johnny got so lit. Oh, my gosh. One ep- we were doing an episode where we reviewed the entire Fast and Furious franchise, and this kid got destroyed. Oh, it's the funniest thing. It's the funniest which thing. One's your, which one's your favorite? Uh, series or episode? Episode. I guess of the screenshots, my favorite episode would have to be that one because it's so fucking hilarious. But I feel like so most of the time we have other guests on. It's not just Johnny and I, Johnny being my co-host. Um, but when it is just Johnny and I, we actually do a really good job at like fucking, you know, going off of each other. Um, but that was the funniest one, the uh, Road to Fast 9, where we review the entire Fast and Furious uh, franchise. That's probably the best one, in my opinion, so far. Um, but yeah, that's it. Why are we talking about me, though? So, <laughs> so wait, wait. So, so is Johnny up there with you? Is that one of your buddies in Jersey? Yeah, yeah. So Johnny, he lives 20 minutes away from me. I also got another... Um, cool. Friend, he's more like a partner for this uh, uh, podcast. He's great. His name is Bashoy. And sometimes I have him as my um, like my producer, my tech guy. Um, so I've got uh, I got a good team going on, and I, I couldn't be more Please, grateful. Man. I think one of the, one of the things I talk about the most is having a team. And if not a team for you to help, for them to help you do things, it's at least a good friends and family that support you in what you're doing, you know? That's right, dude. I mean, that's that's pivotal. you got to have that group. You're the average of the five people around you, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's literally law of attraction. People you're around, it's all that energy uh, comes back right to you, bro. It changes the way you are. Yeah. I mean, I talk about that all the all, that all the time, and um, I, I think we met through Easton Gladney, right? Oh That's yeah. How we met. I've met. The, he's all about yeah. that. Yeah, he's yeah. going on some crazy NFT train now, though. Dude, he's all into that now. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, yeah, he's he's buying those uh, what are those little things he's buying now? They're called They're NFTs, like the, but uh, the, here's I don't know like, what. The specific type of NFT. Oh, the like, space poggers. These little cats. Yeah, space poggers. Yeah, I don't. What are those? Okay, look, I know nothing. Easton, I actually hope you're watching this because I want you to yell at me. <laughs> I don't really know what NFTs are, and Kate, Kate, who I just talked about, he kind of knows what they are too. But I've been investing for the since I was a freshman in high school, and like since I was fourteen or fifteen, I've been investing my money in the stock market. I'm 24 now, so I've been doing it for like a decade, and I've seen some things. I'm not a genius. I don't know everything, but um, I've been in some communities. I've talked to some family and friends who are who are literally working the stock market. Um, and my opinion on F- NFTs, although I know nothing, it just seems like a fad. And I know a lot of people said that about cryptocurrency. A lot of people said that about um, certain uh, stocks and what. But this just seems like um, okay. For instance, as far as I know, it it seems like this: the Mona Lisa, worth so much money, right? To me, it it's not worth a penny. I, I, w- I wouldn't buy that. I wouldn't put it in my house. So it's worthless yep. to me. I th- and I feel like that's what this kind of is. It's only worth something if people want to buy it. So I don't really un- – and, and that could be a horrible explanation for what it is, but I don't really understand it. So like I, I guess like my understanding is like the of the non – it's like non-fungible tokens, I think. Um, but there, there's a lot of cool uh, integrations with it, like with real estate I've heard. Okay. Uh, pretty much tokenizing real estate or something like that. But what they were saying was you could, you could pretty much take, like you were talking about the Mona Lisa, right? You could digitalize the Mona Lisa and hold it as an NFT, uh, like a non-fungible token um, that, that holds a certain value on the blockchain and you can't replicate it. That's what they say. But, but then the funny thing is I, I bought one, right? Okay. And then two weeks later, 
the guy was posting all about it being replicated and like people buying the, the, the duplicates of the NFT. And so I'm like, okay, so the whole point of the NFT was to, was to hold it on the blockchain without it being replicated. But then it just, you know, you can just make it super easy. But wait a second, but wait a second. What's the point of buying it? So, so it sounds like to me, it's like someone handing you a gold bar because you can't reproduce the gold bar, right? Like it's there. Right. Okay. But why not just keep the cryptocurrency? Dude, I, I that's that's my conundrum. Yeah, like why <laughs> I'm not? Like, you know, well, because I've been in crypto for like you know since the jump. I mean, I bought uh, I bought Bitcoin at eighty nine hundred, and then I bought Ethereum at two hundred, and so I've been just keeping it, holding it, right? I mean, I'm not, I'm glad I got outbid because when I when I tried to buy that uh, NFT, someone actually came in right after me, right before it sold and outbid me, and so I was like, oh, thank God, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> he saved he saved me for real, like, and then I would be I would be pretty much out of a lot of Ethereum that way. I don't, it just doesn't, like, you someone, someone's listening to them, these fucking idiots, I can't believe they're talking, <laughs> but seriously, like, I feel like, I've been in the game so long, I mean, listen, I'm a fucking young man, like, I understand, like, guys, I'm not, I'm not that experienced, but I've been in the game long enough, for, I feel like I, I should be like, oh, okay, that's a really good idea, but, like, it just hasn't made sense to me yet, I feel like this is just what, the conundrum you and I are having right now, it's like, why would you buy... It's like buying a safe for money that could fit in your pocket. Dude, someone's got an answer out there, though. I mean, someone's like, this is why I buy an NFT. I gotta call, I wanna, I kinda wanna call Easton. <laughs> yeah, dude, yeah. You should, uh, uh, get him on the Zoom, man. Oh, uh, I should. Okay, let me, let but, me. Uh, no, Easton, Easton got real into the NFTs of late. Um, but like, we, we had like an hour long conversation and we were talking about NFTs and crypto and stuff like that you... and all like the, uh, integrations of it. And I was talking about, I, I forget the name of this company. I think it's Liberty or something like that. And they're tokenizing real estate. And I think that's, that's massive. And they're, they're pretty much putting like, like, so for example, the Mona Lisa, they're digitalizing that asset on the blockchain and then distributing it to like people who want to buy uh, portions of the NFT. I may be completely wrong, but, but that's my, that's my take on what mm. it is. So I, I just texted Easton. I just don't, I don't want, I don't want to, get, this is your episode. I don't want to be, I don't want him to like uh, be here for the next hour because we're stupid and can't no. understand uh, <laughs> NFTs. But I did text him. I said, yo, you free? We'll see what's up. If he, um, if he's not free for Zoom, I'll call him and you could hear him too through my system. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens. That's very confusing to me. I want to know. I'm invested in a crypto called XRP. Um, it's owned by Ripple. And yep, I have XRP. Yeah. How much do you got? If you don't mind me asking, you can keep it down. Not. Not much. The majority of my, I mean, I took a little bit out of Ethereum and bought some, um, but I mean, I'm in, I don't know, 10 or 12 different ones, but the majority, I don't know, 50, 60% is in Ethereum and uh, Bitcoin. I feel like the reason why so. I get up in the morning is because I'm hoping XRP becomes something. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I got big into Filecoin. Have you heard of that? No. It's pretty dope. Like it, uh, so Filecoin, it pretty much keeps like my understanding of it. It keeps like storage on a cloud in the blockchain and that's the extent on my that's the extent i know of it <laughs> but my, my buddy made a really cool uh pretty much presentation of it and i bought it right after and I, it's been doing good so i, I pulled on to it huh there's uh, so much stuff but, there's so many things dude have you heard of decentraland no go ahead teach me about that oh too. man Okay, all right, Decentraland. So it's like this uh, online marketplace pretty much, like where people go and they buy land online. And so people are paying like $60,000 a lot for a, a plot of land in Decentraland uh, in the hopes that it'll like grow into this massive virtual environment where people go on and like sell stuff online. Yeah. 
What? Exactly. What? <laughs> this it's like someone making money by playing what's that game? That Nintendo game, um, where you're like little people and like you grow turnips on your uh, island. Uh, I have no clue. Oh, though. it's on the Switch. It's um. My, dude, my buddy loves the switch. Animal Crossing. I, I was, Animal was, Crossing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's what I, it's that, called. That, yeah. Huh. Fuck, bro. I haven't played it. I've no, heard of it. I. I haven't played I've, it. I've never played it in my life. But, like, people, what you do is you when you play the game, you get, like, your own island or whatever, and you cultivate, like, crops and stuff, and you can sell things to other people. Um, this just, it sounds hard to believe. It sounds like someone's doing it, and I'm like, you fucking sucker. But maybe I'm the sucker. Like, I don't know. I have no idea how this stuff works. Yeah, I think we're missing out, bro. I, 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 don't, I don't want... No, don't say that. I don't want to miss out. I'm yeah. going to pretend like I know exactly what I'm doing. Well, I bought a little bit of mana, and that's like the uh, the currency for Decentraland. But it's like it's insane. I mean, people are spending like 60000 US dollars to hold land online, and, and they think it's going to pay off. But you never know, bro. I mean, like they said, like you were saying earlier, like they were saying, like the dichotomy of Bitcoin, right? I mean, people okay, thought it was going to be useless. There's a difference between this and Bitcoin, and and maybe it's the same thing. True. The reason why Bitcoin had um had value is because criminals basically were like, we need a money that can't be tracked. Oh, Bitcoin could be sent across the world and it can't be tracked. I'm gonna buy my uh, you know, uranium with Bitcoin, and no one will ever know. And then because criminals kept doing it, and people that wanted to get stuff off the black market market kept doing it. It became really, really valuable, and then eventually it became trackable, <clears throat> and now everyone's in on it. Everyone has it because yeah. a whole bunch of people that wanted to have it so they don't have traceable money put their money into it. That's what made it uh, expensive. But with something like this, maybe it's the same case. Um, I just can't see the stuff with like the land, buying digital land. Like That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think it just comes down to supply and demand. If there's a use, people are going to buy into it and then and the more people bandwagon into it but i mean dude like i've heard this crazy theory where like the cia created bitcoin for a social digital currency no. in the future like I, bro look into it i'm telling you like look into it wait okay shit. if the cia created bitcoin they fucking failed because china owns most of the bitcoin no, China, China outlawed, uh, outlawed Bitcoin. They bought it though. They bought so much of it. They don't. They might not use it, but be, because it's going to be used across the entire planet, they bought a lot of it. Oh, that's what really? I, that's what I've gathered. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Look it up real quick. I but I think I don't know. I think China bought a lot of Bitcoin. I just know they recently came out and they banned all transactions. Like you cannot. I mean, really? even if they have it, it, it's not moving. It's it's just they're they're holding it. Fuck so China, I, either way, it's just it's just sitting there right Jeez. now. Jeez, but, I don't know. I, I there was a rumor that XRP was going to be the uh, United States uh, like cryptocurrency. That was a big rumor like really? a year and a half ago. Um, yeah, it's still up in the air. Probably definitely not going to happen. But like people are still like, oh, who knows? Um, what What is XRP used for? So the only you thing the, I have to I used to know pretty well, and it's been a while, so I've uh, diluted my knowledge. But as as far as I remember, the the only benefit of xrp is that it transacts faster than any other cryptocurrency and it's exchangeable with every cryptocurrency that means if you want if you had ethereum let's say ethereum could not be exchangeable with uh bitcoin okay you would have to go through xrp to get to bitcoin it's kind of one of those things so xrp is uh, transferable through every cryptocurrency as far as i know 
Um, that's usually the argument people make. And it's also transferable a lot quicker than other cryptos. And um, it's backed, and like, so is uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum and stuff, but it's backed by a lot of banks already. Uh, if you go up on uh, ripple.com, uh, it shows you all that stuff. But they're actually going through a lawsuit right now um, uh, with the SEC. And the SEC has, no, like, they're, I don't think they're going to win. Basically, the lawsuit's about whether uh, XRP is an exchange or a currency. Like, it's, if it, is it a stock or is it, a, is it an actual currency? And I'm, listen, guys, if, don't get your news from me. I'm a fucking moron, okay? But if you want to listen to a moron talk, continue listening. Um, so... That's what I'm here for. That's bro. right. Yeah. Okay. So if XRP, <laughs> if XRP wins, like if Ripple wins, it's going to become a current, like a cryptocurrency, and then it could shoot through the roof because um, apps and like uh, programs, like um, what are the like wallets you could hold it on? There's a uh, Uphold. There's Coinbase. There's uh, Kraken. I have a Coinbase wallet. Yeah. So eventually, XRP will be uh, purchasable on all those once the uh, lawsuit goes through. If the lawsuit ever goes through. Um, and people start buying it up because it's, it's new on the market. A whole bunch of people are already in, in on it. Um, and a lot of banks are backing it. So, I mean, like I, it's one of those things where it's, if you build it, he will come and it's like, oh, maybe, maybe. So listen, I don't know too much though. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I saw a lot of pickup after PayPal, uh, said that they were going to accept it. And then, um, obviously, you know, there's those offline wallets called Trezors. I mean, you could buy those for like a hundred bucks, but those are the safest way to hold, uh, your Bitcoin and stuff like that. Um, it's just, that's the what I heard. drive things, right? It's a little, little hard drive kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. So yeah, those I'd are legit, that. dude. I would lose that so quickly. Dude, it would be gone. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God. I'd, I'd wash it in my washing machine by accident. I keep like, I'm an idiot. I can't do that. I'd have to, I don't know. I'd have to find a good place to put it, but um, yeah, I'll be looking for my phone and it's like in my hand. Like I lose shit. Yeah. So easy. Yeah. Dude. Thank God. I mean, I, yeah. It's insane. Thank God. I don't have glasses. Okay, hold on. So, so you do martial arts, right? Okay. Yeah. So I, that's what I wanted to dive into. I, I know you do martial arts <laughs> and I do martial arts and that's a good thing to talk about. So I've been doing, I've been involved in combat sports since I was maybe eight. Um, I started with uh, like traditional American, which is like Kenpo, like karate, stuff like that. And then Same. I moved into uh, like Olympic style wrestling. Um, and then I did uh, more karate, more jujitsu, uh, a little bit of Muay Thai, um, and like all around MMA. Um, but I had to stop recently because of money and time. Damn. That's me. What about you? Well, I actually had a similar uh, upbringing. I started off with like a Kempo-based karate yep. um, and then shifted into a Kempo-based kickboxing uh, really? for a long time yeah. under under Stephen Thompson, uh, Wonder Boy, okay. uh, if, you, if you watch UFC at all. Um, but then after that, went to college and boxed for four years. Uh, and all throughout that, I did a little bit of jiu-jitsu and stuff and a little bit of judo. But, I mean, dude, I, I tore my AC out of place oh. a little while ago. Oh, yeah. Tell me <laughs> Oh, so I can't throw I can't throw shit with my left with my left hand and you know right hand works fine so I'm kind of just out there like my two legs and my right hand just tearing up the bag and shit but you know there's only so much that you could do. Jeez, that yeah, that's fucked. But I, I would, what would you prefer, uh, your ground or stand up? In a street fight or in a sparring match? Um, damn, I didn't even think about making it like that. Um, I'll do both. Just give me both. Street fight. Jiu-jitsu. Okay. 
sparring match, kickboxing. I'm the reverse. Really? I'm the reverse. Yeah. Tell me why, though, for you first. Tell me why you picked that. So, I mean, I don't know. This is my personal opinion. I think that, like, the majority of, of street fights, I've never been in one because I've been doing uh, martial arts for 12 years my entire life. I've figured out how to stay out of them, and I know that I don't need to get in them because it's, yeah, it's petty bullshit. It's petty bullshit, in my opinion. You can find your way out of it. Uh, and it shows self-composure if you can find your way out of it too. But <clears throat> anyways, um, I think that the majority of fights in, in street fights go to the ground. I mean, 100%. I mean, if you watch any fights, you know, like rarely is somebody knocking somebody out cold, especially if they don't know what they're doing. Um, and it all goes to the ground. They end up wrestling and shit. And that's where the jujitsu person has the upper hand. I mean, I think like if you put a wrestler, a very experienced wrestler and a very experienced jujitsu person, you know, I'm going to piss off some wrestlers here. But okay, but I think that eventually the jujitsu person is going to get some kind of ankle lock, some okay. kind of knee bar, some kind of fucking uh, you know like yeah, head yeah. and arm triangle. But but I don't know. I mean you know it, I'm it not either way. I'm not laughing because I'm disagreeing. I'm laughing because yeah. it's it's my entire family is a family of wrestlers. Right. Um, so like that's where I got like I guess my genetically like I'm just like predisposed to like being able to know how to like use my body. I have good motor skills, you know. Um, my, cause my entire family has been doing it for decades. Um, so it's just in our blood, but I agree with what you're saying. Everything you said, I agree with, but the reason why I would choose, um, the reverse of what you originally said is because of this, when you're in the street and I actually just spoke to a man who does Kung Fu, which, and he does praying mantis. And for the longest time, I always felt that Kung Fu was kind of bullshit. Um, not completely, but a little bit. Um, but the guy was very confident, and and he and he, uh, he seemed like he knew what he was doing. I was like, this maybe, and and everything he was saying, like um, he was very articulate the way he explained fighting and how he explained methods and why to do things and why not to do things. And he was very respectable and respected the other fighting styles. So I didn't think he was bullshit. I, I actually convinced me, but. What we were talking about is on the street, yeah, it's always going to go to the ground most times. But if you're a good boxer on the streets, maybe one, two, three punches and you're out. Like, you don't want to stick around. I feel like that's why, and yeah, I th- don't quote me, I, but I think this is true. I think Bruce Lee said that um, even he fears the American boxer because on the streets, he couldn't do anything that he's trained to do. So I think stand up is better for the streets because it's it's it it's scary. It's once you get out of there. Also, because when you get attacked, it's usually not just one person attacking you. It's several, and you can't really do much jujitsu when even two or three guys are trying to you know harm you. In the ring, though, I know once I get somebody in a hold, I can take like thirty to forty seconds to breathe and figure out my next move. Um, right. But when I'm doing stand-up in the ring, um, it's not my strong suit, and I have got nowhere to run or climb to, like, get on his back or his neck. So it's it's that's why I choose that. Dude, I mean, I couldn't have put it better myself, honestly. You, you nailed a lot of good points there. Yeah. Um, but you're, you're right. I mean, I think, like, if you're – if you know what you're doing on the feet, at least if I was in a fight in the street, I would start off on the feet, right? I would yeah. get some combos in, obviously start up on the feet. Uh but I mean, I think most of it would be them like, you know, overexerting themselves, trying to come in and, and get in a clinch, at least their version of a clinch. And at that point, boom, judo throw uh, and then and then on the ground. And 
I think that's where people who have an advantage, like uh, on the ground, would really, really finish. Oh yeah, there, you know no, what I mean. I, I agree. And so, definitely. But yeah, dude. I mean, I, I man, martial arts—it's just completely changed my life, dude. Like, I don't focus on. I literally will will watch fights like UFC, boxing, all this shit for like hours and hours, you know, a week, just to study. Because I mean, I just love doing it. it. It becomes a lifestyle. You know what I mean? Yeah, I um. Man, if you come to Jersey, we got to train together too. You, how tall are you? Oh, 100 percent. Uh, five eleven. Five eleven and and, how, a, and a half. And how much do you, how much do you weigh? Right now, uh, I've lost a little bit of pounds, so probably one seventy. Get, can you guess my height? You've only seen me five, digitally. Five ten, five ten. I'm five five. You're no way, bro. Yeah, that's why. What? That's why I'm a wrestler because I'm small. Um, yeah, I'm I, listen, dude. I'm telling <laughs> you. Like the, the the small the smaller guys, bro. There was this guy Ryan Hall that I trained with for a little bit, um, and he's like this fantastic jujitsu guy. Okay. And he's probably I don't know five seven something like that, uh-huh. buck forty, right? Soaking wet. This guy gets a hold of you. You can't you can't get him off oh, you, yeah. bro. Like he's just I'm telling you, it's like a freaking anaconda. I'm uh I'm five five, a hundred and forty five pounds, and there's this. My coworker's name is Mike. He's a, an impressive boxer. Impressive. Like, holy shit. Um, I wouldn't want to get in the ring with him. I really wouldn't. But I was showing him a triangle choke. And I was like, hey, you want to see this? And like, he's like, yeah, sure. I was like, all right, all right get in guard and all that. And, and I showed him how they get in. For, I, I choked him, but I didn't choke him. I just put, him, put his head in position. And I, and I said, this is how you do it. And he said, oh, that's cool. And I, and I wasn't applying pressure. And he said, uh. You know, I think I can get out of this. I'm like, you, you want to try to get out of it? And he's like, yeah, I think. I was like, are you sure? And he said, yeah. And I'm like, okay, you ready? And we're like, three, two, one, go. And he was like, Ugh! and he couldn't. He couldn't. <laughs> he's like, never mind, never mind. And then he tapped out. It was the I funniest shit because um, <laughs> once, once like uh, if you, if you're strong, if you're strong, then ground game is your sport. But if you're fast, it's it's stand up. I agree, bro. And it's it's about like, I mean. You don't have to be, uh, not to, to counter your point, but but you don't have to be like physically, you know, bulk. You know no, what I of mean? Course like not. it's the way it's the way you leverage. Uh, I mean, my uh, one of my wrestling uh, people that I wrestled with, not because I never did, I didn't never did wrestling, but uh, pressure and angles. That's what he always said, dude. Mm. Pressure and angles, pressure angle. And that guy Ryan Hall that I was talking about, like the way he would dig his shoulder into your oh, your like pelvis gosh. or not, not your pelvis, your uh, shoulder plexus. Yeah, yeah. Dude, it would just be like, oh, like you'd be tapping just because, like, you know, his his weight, the way he pressured himself on you, it's crazy, dude. Yeah, somebody got a double leg on me once, and their shoulder broke my rib. Damn, son. Yeah, can you? It fucking sucked. Ruined my season. I, that, was, I was like, I'm done. Did that shit still hurt? No, no. I'm. It, it happened like I don't know, eight years ago. So I mean, it's fine now. Really? Um, and it didn't completely break. It, it just it got loosened from like it's what a cartilage yeah. or whatever. Like wherever it was is like just wasn't where it was supposed to be. Um, but I got something even worse. I snapped my arm in half. My knuckles were t- like touching my elbow. Um, in a wrestling match, isn't that crazy, bro? Bro, right? what? So um, do you have to get surgery? Yeah, yeah. I've got hardware inside my arm. So all these things, and I still don't have cauliflower ears. So. I should be thankful for hey, that. Hey, there you go. Bro. Yeah, yeah. You got all the injuries except for cauliflower. I, I think a little bit of cauliflower is pretty badass. It, people know, like, it's if they cool. see somebody with cauliflower, they're like, I don't want to fuck with that guy. <laughs> no, I totally get it. And if if 
if you're a good-looking guy, it's only going to make you more good-looking, I think, because it's like, you just look like a fucking badass. Yeah. It's like, but, um, yeah, I, 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 listen, I don't want it, though, so I'm going to try my best not to get it. I was the only guy, when I uh, just uh, rolled around for fun, like I wasn't doing any, like, matches or anything um, for jujitsu. I was the only guy that would wear headgear, and everyone would make fun of me. I'm like, listen, buddy, I don't want it. And I'd still win. I'd, I'd beat them. And I'd have headgear on. I'm like, who's who's fucking making fun of who now? I don't give a exactly. shit. Exactly. I mean, dude, it gets to the point where you start looking like, uh, you know, Michael Chandler. I'm not familiar. Um, uh, he's this. Uh, he he was in Bellator. This crazy good wrestler, like a national champion wrestler. Um, dude, it's like you can't even see that like the inside of his ear is so bad. Yeah. I'm I mean, it, it's all puffy. You oh, pull yeah. him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Like good looking guy, right? But yeah. like it, it's like literally broccoli. <laughs> that's what, that's what half of my family looks like. Man, it's insane. Like my uh I, th- I think my dad got a little bit and, and they would have to they would have to like pin his don't, ear. Don't even and, talk like, to me about it. it. Don't out. even talk to me. <laughs> Holy shit, bro. Don't even I don't wanna talk I don't Man, wanna go there. That shit was nasty, bro. Yeah. I yeah, exactly. See, you're smart, right? You you're preventative. Yeah. You put the headgear on. You do it right. I was surprised that in the Olympics this year they didn't require headgear. They didn't. No, they. I know. I was watching some matches and they weren't oh. wearing headgear. You're talking about boxing or you're talking about wrestling? I'm talking about wrestling. Okay, because in boxing they, they didn't either. They didn't. No, they were boxing without it. Really? Yeah. But yeah, dude. That's surprising. I did surprise. I, I I thought it was I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, I, I think. If you're if you're boxing at an Olympic level, you should box. Oh, without listen, headgear. I get I get the boxing, but like I'm surprised about the wrestling though that they didn't wear headgear yeah. because I I don't know I don't know I, I, I didn't get to watch it. How, how did America do? Did we do good? As far as I remember, I didn't watch everything. I think we did pretty fucking great. But that I but I, of course then there's the Russians, so it's like that. Man, the Russians. <laughs> I'm I'm so jealous of. I I could look it up. I don't know who like completed everything and what, but um. We get those Khabib spawn. Yeah, Russia's fu- they're maniacs, man. Dude, I've, I'm telling you, bro. Like, if you're um, on like Russian there's, Instagram, there's, Jesus it's, Christ. It's not Russia, but uh, Kazakhstan or K- Kazakhstan. Those guys produce like crazy boxers. I'm telling you, yeah. like Triple G. Uh, th- there's this other guy that I follow, um, uh, Islam. Uh, I forget his last name, but th- I mean, dude, the way they move, it's all like they have a style of boxing over there. And it's completely different than the way we uh, box over here, and it's like it's insane. I, I love the way they box over there, dude. When was the last time you uh, you still train? Yeah, I, I mean, I got a bag out in my garage and stuff, and I'll train uh, every day, every other day when I can. But it's just I can't even throw punches, so would I'm not having to kick exclusively. Would, do you, what about would you grapple? Would you like spar grapple? Because that's that's light. When you spar, when you grapple someone, yeah. you ain't dying, you know. Yeah, I could grapple a little bit. Um, I was just messing around with some buddies at the beach the other day. Yeah. Uh, well, not the other day. It was a couple of months ago. But, uh, <laughs> and, you know, it, was, <laughs> it wasn't it was bad. I mean, I didn't feel any pain or nothing like that. So I think I could grapple, mm. but definitely not box right now. Yeah, that's a shame, man. You know, it makes me I, – I brought this up to a few people uh, yesterday, actually, where um, in life you go as far – listen, I'm only 24, so I don't know I, – I might – realize a lot more by the time I die. But right now I've realized that there's four realizations that humans go through in life. Um, the first one is you realize that you exist. You, you realize that you're alive. You're like, oh my gosh. Um, the second one usually happens when you realize your parents are their own people. The second one is realizing other people also exist. They are real. They're not, just, they're not fake. 
That's the second realization. The third is you realize that you cannot reclaim the past. What happened in the past cannot be done again. You cannot be a child again. You cannot do this, this, or that again. It's there forever. Um, And the fourth realization is realizing and accepting that death is real, exists, and it'll happen to you. Um, And I feel like you are kind of going through the third realization by being like, I'm kind of fucked up and I got to go easy, like that kind of stuff. Dude, you're completely right. I mean, that's like literally the timeline of everybody. If you look at, you know, older people, they get to that point where they're like, yeah, death's right around the corner. So I got to cherish life. But that's right after they realize that time. Yeah. You you can't reclaim the past. Yeah. You can't reclaim. I've never heard of it like that. That's pretty. You you should write a book, bro. Yeah. I actually do write, but I I don't, I don't want to say I write well. Um, but I do try my right. best. Okay, well, here's the thing. I, I, I do too. Oh, oh, great. Look at us jumping from top. We're the same fucking person. We, we're fucking great. I know, man. So I just wear a shitty hat. That's the only difference. I, um, I, I, I fuck with the hat. I'm not even kidding, bro. I, I, I've been people wearing, talk trash. What do they call it? What do they call it again? It's, well, they call it a lot of things, but it's actually called a flat cap. Dude, I, I fuck with them, really. I, um, I've been wearing it for like five years. But hold on. So I... I, I hate saying I, I, I'm a writer. It sounds so pretentious. I hate saying, oh, I'm writing a book. It sounds so pretentious. But um, this is it's August right now. I don't know when this episode is going to go up. Probably a, few, a, a couple of weeks because um, I've got some stuff in the backlog. But I said when August comes around, I'm going to get back to my writing schedule. And for some reason, as soon as August came, I decided to redo my entire studio. And that took up so much time. I also go to work. And I have to record ep- like two or three episodes a week. So it's like... I'm an idiot, um, and I wasn't able to actually go back to my writing schedule. So I'm upset about that, but I'm trying a lot hard. I'm just trying to get back to my schedule. But what I do is I write fiction, um, and there's two different kind of writers, um, and I, I might be saying this incorrectly, but it's one's called the architect, and one's called the planter. And the planter is somebody, I think, who plans everything, and like, okay, I'm planning everything, and then I'll write. And the engineer, and this might be reversed, but then the engineer is the one who just starts the ar- starts architect writing. engineer. Am I? Yeah. Well, I said planter, but let's use architect. Makes it easy. Ar- I, I, I'm an architect, let's say. I like to plan things out before I write them. An okay. engineer okay. writes bef- like and plans while he does it. Gotcha. Um, then, I, then I'm an engineer. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's hard. I can't do what you do. That's actually really hard to do. I wish I was more your way, dude. I mean, I'll just like I'm haphazard, bro. I go all over all stuff, and so like I'll start a I'll start a piece, and then I'll start writing on it just like randomly. What do you write? And all kinds of stuff, dude. I mean, I actually wrote a little bit of fiction too, um, and then shifted over to more like uh, theory and stuff like that. Like uh, lately, I've been writing all kinds of stuff, but um, the one I did a little while ago, the, the longest piece I ever wrote was. Uh, a fiction uh, novel, and um, and that was definitely the, the most unplanned thing I've ever done, bro. It was just I had no direction. It you was just, finished something. It's fifty thousand words. That's um, fucking awesome. I need to finish it, bro. I, I have not finished it. That's... I'm telling you, and it's like I put all this effort into it. <laughs> I get it. I yeah, get but, it. Yeah. That's all right, uh, tell me about uh your one of yours. Well, which, for, which, well, first of all, plot? you said fifty thousand words. That's ten thousand words more than the Great Gatsby. So that's pretty fucking awesome. 
sweet, dude. Um, and before we get to me, uh, I I writing is it, it's it's easy to come up with ideas, but it's very hard to implement those ideas. And the thing people got to realize, especially writers, people that don't write, they don't really have to, they don't care, they don't have to realize this. But if it helps ease your mind at all, um, it's half fifty percent of writing to seventy five percent of writing is just thinking. Um, so I mean, like, I know you, and listen, we're in the same boat. Like we feel bad. We feel guilty for not finishing something we started or it's taking a long time. And we fear that our ideas are going to go away from us and we're not practicing our craft. So we're not getting better. I understand all the fears and and why you'd fear those things. Um, but you know, but life's not easy. It's hard and, and things go slow, but you know, as long as you keep thinking about it, as long as you keep connecting the dots, maybe write a note here or there, you're fine. Um, and I definitely think like most writers, all writers, should complete their works. Um, but also, if you find that you couldn't complete it, if you find that you've lost the passion for this story, write a new one. Start a new one because what you've written already will always be there for you to go back to. The best writers do that. Stephen King does that. Uh, um, what's the fucking guy? I can't remember his name. Another author that do that. Like Everyone does that. So don't feel bad if you got to move on to something else. I'm sure you got a lot of ideas. Uh that's my two cents on you. And, there you go. And, um, I like it, dude. Very yeah, of inspirational. Course, of course. But um, I I don't like to tell people too much about what I write um, because I'm so afraid that what happens is, and I, I don't know if I listened to this on a podcast or if I read a book about it. can't remember. But when you talk about the things you want to do, you end up not doing them. Because in the process of talking about what you like or what you want to do, your brain thinks you've accomplished something, but you really haven't. So I'm going to get super excited and tell you all about this stuff, and then I won't do it for a week because I'm a fucking idiot. But uh, it's basically fiction about um, – and it, t- and it, and it takes a, a boy, and it watches his life from when he's an, uh, a child to when he's a teenager – to when he's in his 20s, and then finally when he's in his 30s. And it shows the rate of change from, uh, like, a disturbed young man, a disturbed young boy, and how his, uh, you know, mental problems, uh, the tragedies his family goes through, how those affect who he is as an adult. And the story is basically about the loss of innocence and how he, he hates himself and can't forgive himself for things that aren't his fault. And... um it's the human condition. It's just being upset, being in love, being angry, and being in pain all the time. And no matter how hard you want it to be over and how how much you don't want it to exist, it's always going to happen again. Life is suffering, and that's kind of what it is. Dude, yeah. Shit, I'm, I'm, I'm speechless after all that. Man. <laughs> <clears throat> no, but uh, I think you need to add that part about uh, the – I think of it like this. My my uncle he he was telling me about how if you tell everybody your ideas you you get all excited right it's kind of like letting water into a boat right it's gonna it's gonna sink the ship you yeah. know what I mean like if you let too much water in the boat it's gonna the ship's gonna founder it's gonna sink and so you have to have a certain amount of disclo- uh in disclosure and and still stay passionate without kind of letting everybody know what you're doing and I I completely agree with that but um that's no, pretty cool I mean I think maybe that story goes into what you were just talking about with the four steps of uh, realization. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. It I, could maybe, be. <laughs> maybe tied in or something like well, that, but it sounded kind of familiar. Like the, the steps of realization mm-hmm. in life because we all go through that, you know what I mean? And, and I was listening to this this book uh, by Ron Paul called The Tao of Capital. 
Okay. And, and he talks about how uh, life is kind of like a roundabout, right? It's not linear. It, it, time is intertemporal. So it's everything, every moment leads to the next moment, and it's all kind of intermingled. And that's the way he talks about how you should live instead of living like, you know, past, future, present, just just <clears throat> kind of living as if, I, I, you know, it's a very deep book that I can't put into a bunch of words right now, but um, kind of setting yourself up for the future by uh, doing things now, sacrificing a little bit now, sacrificing time now uh, to present yourself better in the future or something like that. And, um, you know, and that's living intertemporally, living as if time is kind of like in the distance and you're just existent without that. That was a little uh, tangent, but. Is that the way you say you should live? No, that's the way he said you should live. And living intertemporally has its benefits, especially in his context of capital, making money. Um, And and he was saying it comes from the the Chinese proverbs of like Wu Wei, uh, not doing. Yeah, uh, no, I've just actually studied that stuff. Did you? Uh, the Lao Tzu and uh, the Tao Te Ching. I I well I, I looked into Taoism, um, yeah. which I feel like is kind of similar. Um, but I've been on a that's I've, what he draw, drew off of. Yeah, I've been on a philosophy binge, so I, I've been like it's all kind of like molding into the same thing. But here we go. That's the next subject. <laughs> yeah, that's the next subject. Well, I want to respond to what you were saying. first of all. Um, what your uncle said before you said your your uncle said he sounds like a smart guy. Um. But I feel like if you focus <clears throat> okay, here's the thing, right? And this is actually one of the premises in the in the story I'm I'm writing and again I'm putting water in my boat, but uh whereas like you you try so hard to build a future that you forget to live the present. Um and I fear that I'm I, I do that now. I feel that um I'll do that in the future and I've done that in the past. Um and you gotta, you kind of gotta ask yourself, is is it worth it? Because by the time you realize if it's worth it or not, it'll be too late. There's this quote that I kind of want to add into this, um, that doesn't have nothing to do with it, but I, I kind of want to correlate it. Where there was a philosopher, I forget what his name is, but he said that um, people that commit suicide often commit suicide too late. And like that doesn't make any sense. No, the reason what he's saying is they kill themselves after the pain has happened. So then it's too late. They should have done it before the pain has happened. But you never know when that pain is going to come. So the point is, don't kill yourself, right? So I want to l- relate that to you'll never know if what you're doing is worth it until you finally come to the end. And at the end, you'll realize how much time you've either used correctly or how much time you've wasted. So I'm afraid of ha- owning that philosophy, yet I also own it pretty frequently. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, it That sounds something kind of like what Marcus Aurelius would say. Okay. Um, but I, I, I was about to pull out, I have, uh, this book, Plato's Republic. Oh, That's really I want, good. I want that. I want to get that one. And, uh, this is, uh, Marcus Aurelius right here. Meditations. You got to read this, bro. My, um, my last guest was talking to me about Marcus Aurelius a lot. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, he, he has some great philosophy. I mean, obviously he was living <clears throat> in a time where, uh, you know, not only was he a king or an emperor, rather, he was a military general and then he was a philosopher. So he was all three. And so he got the full scope and uh, that he's one of the forefathers of stoicism. I don't know how much yep. you looked into that. Yep. Uh, but but stoicism, it, you know, uh, pretty much, st- you know, being stoic, it's, it's, it's taking 
uh, positive, not positive, but, but like gaining from any situation, no matter what kind of situation it is. And so you can't control the weather, right? You go outside, <clears throat> the weather's outside of your control. People's emotions are outside of your control. You're on the highway, someone cuts in front of you, swerves in front of you. You can't control that, so why get mad at it, right? Why, why get mad at that? Why get a, aroused by that sort of thing? And I think stoicism in a nutshell is controlling yourself, controlling your emotions uh, to your own capacity and limiting the influence of those outside uh, things that, that could have the potential to perturb any other individual who doesn't know how to control themselves. And I think sto stoicism is huge, bro. That, that, that's helped me big time. You know what I mean? Cause uh, in the past, like anything would trigger me, like make me freaking not trigger as in like, you know, the, just it, it would yeah. arouse me. You know what I mean? I'm like, ah, fuck. Yeah. So. I think stoicism is one of those things where you think you're implementing it into your life, but you're really not. And you're doing it incorrectly. Cause I, I feel like I do that a lot where, I think I'm stoic, but then I'm like, oh, I'm definitely not. Because stoicism isn't about um, hiding your emotions or being, like, uh, silently in pain. Stoicism is about finding out why you shouldn't feel pain in the first place and everything's okay, um, as far as I've gathered. So stoicism is, like, tricky. It's fucking cool. It's one of the coolest philosophies out there, but I think it's tricky because at the end of the day, you're human, and you're still going to have human reactions, and stoicism is very, like, mathematic in a way, where it's like, hey, relax, it's okay, this is why it's okay, this is why everything's going to be fine, and if it's not, that's fine too, stoicism, and it's hard to, like, conduct your life that way, at least for me, um, but I try, and it's one of my favorite things. Yeah, and, and I like what you say, like, you know, emotions are going to happen for human, right? Yeah. And I, I think if you put too much emphasis on controlling your emotions every single day it's going to have an adverse effect instead of kind of letting things be laissez-faire in a way kind of letting it roll letting it go and still having that in the background but not like living every day like you know i, I have to be uh on the sidelines on everything that happens you know i can't experience some certain things because i mean uh, you know like I, I forget who i got this from but but some of like the best uh thoughts some of the best ideas have been generated from uh anger not not really anger but just arousal from intense emotions from intense you know sadness whatever anxiety uh because a lot of people they think and this is what i got from carl jung um and is uh a lot of people think that you know anger and stress and anxiety are, are inherently bad things but but that, that's not what they were designed to do right it you know we were designed to feel anxiety as a stress response to go and find more food for example like when we were primitive uh we would we would get hungry we would feel that response the dopamine uh or the uh i think it's acetylcholine releasing urging us to go get some more food and that transmits kind of as as anxiety and now today the whole the the whole idea of anxiety is attached to work and stress of, of work and stuff like that we live in such a fast-paced environment, and so I, I think it's really good to take a wholesome view of all the philosophies and kind of culminate them together. Um, and, and that's what I tried to do instead of focusing particularly so much on one one school of thought, um, trying to read all of it. Um, and, and you know, that's good and that's bad. Just my personal opinion and my personal way of doing things. Um, and it has its upsides and its downsides. So. Hmm. Stressful, stressful. Like you yeah. just said, it's like everything. And there's uh, oh, you said something. I want to respond to. It. I can't remember what you said. 
oh, how we, we live in a fast-paced society. I feel like a lot of people say, um, agree with you, and it's right. Yeah, we do live in a fast-paced society. And people, like, say, oh, uh, meditate or find an outlet or read philosophy. And it's like, you can do all of that, but the rest of the world is still moving forward. And I think that's what stresses me out because if I'm doing a lot of work, um, I can take a second and breathe, of course. I can learn how to meditate. I can uh, watch a movie. But the rest of the world is still moving. So that means I am losing time to get things done. Um, and I think taking a philosophical approach to it is uh, basically saying, uh, yeah, things are still moving. But if y- you should be okay with that happening, you got to take care of yourself first. And I don't know. There's too many variables right. for me to make sense of it for myself, you know? Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of what I was alluding to with anxiety not necessarily being a bad thing because it urges you to get going, right? The world's still going to move on. It's going to urge you to, to get out of your seat and keep moving. That, that's what it was designed to do. Yes. And if you if we look at it like that, uh, we're going to have a lot better impact from it. But, but people get overwhelmed by it now, and I think it's because of the modernity, everything uh, evolving to a place where – it's outside. I mean, like literally like technology was introduced, like our modern technology was introduced probably what, 30 years ago okay, or like, yeah. like as we know it, like computers, laptops, phones, and, and it has just scaled exponentially. And we don't, we don't evolve like that. You know, we haven't really changed much since the beginning of time, but our tech, our tools, our culture has changed so much in such a rapid amount of time uh, that we have to try to keep up with it. And I think that's where we diverge kind of from it and that's where we're feeling these artificial stressors artificial anxieties and stuff like that and i think that's that's good every once in a while to take a step back from the fast-pacedness of society like like i was reading something just literally taking your shoes off this may sound very taboo and and hippie taking your shoes off and walking in the grass right there's uh, an ion release between the the earth and your feet and your feet that give you a stress relief. Going out and getting vi- natural vitamin D from the sunlight. That helps uh, waking up in the morning, getting five to ten minutes of sunlight in the morning. Uh, sets your circadian rhythm so that you can have a better sleep cycle. All of these things, like natural things, uh, really have a positive impact. And I, I think that's uh, has gone so far away, bro. And you know what I mean. And it's just gone so far away from our society today. And uh, that's what I, what is we bring back in a way, uh, in my opinion. Um, that and an understanding of philosophy, like you were saying. That's a that's a good idea about the uh, going outside, like first thing in the morning, just getting some sun. I didn't even think about that. I feel like I'm learning a lot right now. I'm like, I'm going to do that tomorrow. <laughs> like, Hey, uh, Andrew Huberman, bro. I, I have a, a few podcasts where I talked about this. Andrew okay. Huberman, he, uh, he he talks about the so, – so basically, uh, if you don't know what – you know what the circadian rhythm is? I've heard of it before. So it's like it's like a natural rhythm that your body goes through, right? Okay. Uh, a natural release of, of wakefulness and, and sleepiness. Throughout the day, you go through these ultradian rhythms. They're 90 minutes long. And you can set that clock in a certain way to where you wake up in the morning. And, and I, I need to get better at doing this. I'll just like stare at it, like stare at the sun when I wake up through the window. But it's much better if you go outside and you do it. I've gotten off of it. And I can feel the effects because when I was doing it, I was feeling much better. I was sleeping better. Um, but I just need to wake up and start doing it again. But in the morning, if you do that, it, it elicits a, uh, uh, a, I forget the uh, chemical, the neurochemical it releases in the morning and it helps you wake up easier. And then what that does is 
at, at the end of the day, at 15 hours from that time when you wake up, melatonin is naturally released and it helps you go to sleep easier. Um, and then it, it's a natural sleep. So you're not forcing yourself to go to sleep. Uh, and so he, he preaches that you should go out, get five to 10 minutes of natural sunlight and the, not like staring at the sun, you know, cause yeah, you'll get yeah, blind, yeah. but <laughs> staring at the sky, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like getting that sunlight and then at the very end of the day, getting five to 10 minutes of the sunset and that will elicit the melatonin response release, whatever you want to call it. Wow. And then, uh, you'll fall asleep easier. So, who, who is this? Andrew Huberman. He's a neuroscientist at, uh, Stanford. I like that. Very I, smart guy. Yeah, I've I've been having uh, trouble with my sleeping. Well, I I have like severe insomnia, but recently the problem I've been having actually is um, waking up in the morning. Like I'll set my alarm, and I'm like, and I'll not I'll wake up and not realize that I turn my alarm off. Like, I like I'll go through like um. Like I time traveled and I'm like, how did I end up here? Like it didn't make any sense. I I, yeah. I got I'm like yeah. fucked up a little bit. I gotta figure that out. But and what what he talks about too is is that you you don't have to wake up with your time clock like your alarm in the morning if you do this every day. Oh yeah. And so if you if it's insane, dude. Like it, and it works because I practiced it. And so if you um if you do this consistently every single day for two weeks, you'll set your circadian rhythm right so that if you go out certain time uh if you wake up in the morning maybe whatever whatever you wake up it's but he says between the hours of uh four in the morning and 10 uh if you get natural sunlight there then you'll fall asleep naturally the later hours of the night and then you'll wake up naturally like your body will just wake itself up before the, the clock the alarm clock even goes um and i also have this little lifex light bulb i don't know if you know what those are no um but i you could set it to where like the light will automatically turn on in the morning, like very dimly and it'll, it'll help you wake up. Oh. And that's also something really cool. So if you, if you struggle with that, bro, like, like doing that. And then I take magnesium before I go to sleep. Too. Why magnesium? That's big. My mom is freaking huge into the health stuff. Okay. And magnesium has a, a soothing, uh, like a, a soothing effect. Um, from, from what I, from what I can tell, I've been taking it. I'll take a little bit before I go to bed and then I'm like, I'm, I'm sleeping like a baby, dude. Do you, what about, okay. So one of the problems I have and a lot of people have is that they have so much they need to do or get done that they sacrifice a little bit of sleep to stay up later. Right. How much, how many times do you have to do that to fuck up your rhythm again? Uh, it's, it, you know, it, it can happen literally a couple days, it's like, it's like getting into a new habit. You know what I mean? It takes a long time to break a habit, but it's, it's very quick to start a new habit. And, uh, and what, what he says, if you're staying up every day on your, every night on your phone till one o'clock in the morning, um, that's very harmful for your neurological development. Oh, you know, naturally we were attuned to the natural cycle of the sun, right? You know, rising, setting at a certain time before artificial lights, uh, we had to, conform to that pretty much so that's the kind of that's the way we developed over time and now we're introducing all of these things like uh light bulbs computers phones and so we're staying up a lot of people staying up to like 12 30 1 o'clock 2 o'clock in the morning yep. uh, on their phones and it really messes up the sleep cycle um and so that's one thing that i try to do like uh past if it's past 11 o'clock the phone's going down on the table i'm not using it um it, because that will mess with the circadian rhythm. But but to, to to answer your question, yeah, it can happen real quick. You can mess up your circadian rhythm a lot quicker than you can set it. The other thing too is that um, 
You know, they say uh, early the bed, early, early the rise it makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. But then they say uh, early to uh, early the rise, early the bed makes a man healthy, wealthy, and socially dead. Um, yeah. So, like, you also have, like, no social life. Because like, most of your <laughs> peers need to, like, they'll get off of work. And then if they want to, you know, know what it's like to be human for a little bit, they got to stay up late. So it's like a, it's a catch-22. Double-edged sword. It is, it dude. sucks. Double-edged sword, for sure. Yeah. But, I, uh, I don't really... Um, I want to get everything back in, back into tip-top tip top shape. And like we were saying before, life is stressing, tr- uh, stressful, and you've always got stuff to do, and you always move, you're moving really fast, and you've got so much going on. So there's the first thing. I've got so much going on. Everyone's got so much going on. And the second thing is, hey, but you should go to bed uh, early and wake up early. It's like, you, you, how am I going to do both? It's so, there's so much going on. It stresses me out. And, of course, you could do both. But here's something I said to the la- my last guest, which we kind of disagreed with, um, but um, I think we found, like, a midpoint. But... <clears throat> Where it's, if you make enough money, let's say you make 60 grand and you're single, that's enough money for you to live comfortably and have enough time to figure out how to make your life better. You can pay your bills, you can pay um, everything, you got a car, you're paying for food, you're good to go, and now you've got enough time and money to think, okay, what's my next step? Do I go to school again? Do I get another job? Like, how do I make more money and do less work? You can do that because you have enough money to realize what's the best way to do it. But if you're if you're making like sixty grand, but you also have like three kids and a spouse, that's not enough money for you to figure out how to better your life. So that's a problem. So not everyone can do these healthy things because it's a luxury, unfortunately, in this world to be able to sleep uh, sleep uh, on time and wake up on time. Like you just we just can't do it. Yeah, when, when you have kids, and he talks about this, like like when you have kids, it's very difficult, obviously. But there's also things you can do to supplement that. I mean, yeah. like nutrition, working out, doing the right things. It's very easy, I think. Uh, for I say it's very easy, but it, but it's something that I need to get better at too. But it but it would be easy if I push myself to do it. Um, like waking up in the morning, getting the sunlight, su- sunset, five ten minutes, twenty minutes during your day, doing that right. That that's step one. Get that out of the way. Nutrition, working out, uh, going out, being social, saying yes to more things, right? Like trying to be with, uh, spending more quality time with your family instead of worrying about the stressful things, like getting getting to class, getting to work, yeah. and all these things, conforming to modern society. Um, and yes, yeah, it's, it's, it really is a dichotomy, bro. And it's it's something that nobody has the answer for. I think, um, uh, it, you know, everybody's working nine to fives. It's stressful, uh, but. Well, what's and it's your, something I struggle with too. So what, I don't have an answer for that. What's your opinion on the the four day work week? I, I I think that is ideal, honestly. I because I, I like if if people can um, work that amount of time, then they'll spend the rest of their time. I think if, if they're productive, if they're not just you know sitting around off unemployment, um, th- they'll go out and they'll they'll be productive because that's how the market functions naturally. I think and and. It's, it's people providing to the market what they're good at, what, what they can produce. And I think if, if you free up a little bit of the work week, right, off of those uh, – because a, a lot of people can get the essential things done in four, in four days, definitely, definitely. I mean there's uh, plenty of case studies that show that the four-day work week really works if you um, 
that that people that that do that and encourage to do that are just as productive as the people who are forced to work five six days a week. Granted, I work seven days six uh, six sometimes five six uh, days a week, um, but I don't mind doing it because I like working. You know, what I mean, I, I when I'm when I'm stationary, I don't feel good. You know what I mean? I want to get up, I want to do something, I want to be productive, um, and so on my downtime. I, I find it very hard to just sit around on my computer and do nothing. I have to focus my energy on something. And I think if you were to free up a little bit more time, people would follow their passions more uh, and then they would produce more and they would give back to their economy more uh, in their community. Okay. Well then here's my next question. What's your opinion on UBI? Universal basic income. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so there was a study done that, uh, I completely believe that we have a military industrial uh, industrial complex, and we spend so much money on that. We just freed up twenty three billion dollars, something like that, like a massive amount of money, and then we we, we pumped it right back into to operations in the military, and, and and we spend like six, seven, eight times more than than the next leading country, right? So we spend a lot of money, and a lot of it's defense contracts and bureaucratic money. And th- there was this guy I was listening to. He said if you took Nine billion. You spread it out. You give a thousand dollars to everybody. Uh, it would it would erase poverty, and that kind of spoke to me. It really did. I mean, I, I think like I think if that's you were to I do think that, that's like, hyperbole though. That's definitely hyperbole though, because I don't think it it, it yeah. may be. It, you know, and, and I think that a lot of those people, I think a lot of those people will just end up spending it on the same thing they've been spending it on, right? Mm-hmm. Drugs, bad lifestyle. But I think it would fix a good amount of it um, and get people back into the economy, uh, and then they would facilitate market transactions and stuff like that instead of pumping it into something that's that's not useful. And 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 the military industrial complex is not useful. We we spend, I mean, dude, like like we 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 give Israel sixty nine billion dollars a year in in defense contracts. It's something like that. And and then we also through black market contracts somehow fund uh, the Gaza Strip. To launch rockets, and then we we shoot it down with our own rockets, and so it's like we're we're funding these, and we've been doing this forever, bro. Like the Rockefellers, Rothschilds, all of these people, the central bankers, the the, the London Bank, they all do it for bureaucratic financial interest. And um and and it, as long as that exists, that uh, there's always going to be a very uh, bad off uh, lower class. You know, I, I was I was listening to Joe Rogan recently. And um, I don't know who he had on, but basically they were talking about how <clears throat> now it's not confirmed, but what they were saying is um, there was a president um, and he made a speech. You can find it online. I can't remember which one it is, but he was basically saying how like, listen, guys, be careful. We're putting all this money in into the military. And the reason why we're doing this basically is because the only way for us to be number one and to have a, a thriving economy is to be endlessly in war, and that's basically what Hitler's plan was. It's like the only the only way Hitler would be able to continue to uh, you know give families like free cars and like get more food and like expand their his like country or whatever is to be perpetually in, in war. Uh, so. That war is the big money maker, and I'm not saying. Listen, I don't know, but I'm not saying Americans are, you know, causing genocides. But what I am saying is there is a a, a huge problem, and and I do believe that it exists. Um, I don't. Well, is it ever going to get changed? 
I don't think so. I don't think on paper we could actually make some kind of change. I think something really big and extravagant would have to happen for there to be a change. Um, but I, I listen, I don't have to wear a tinfoil hat when I'm listening to you say these things. I, I agree, and it's scary. Yeah, dude. I mean, like, no, I completely agree with you. It's, it's, I, I don't even, I was thinking about what I was going to say to that. But, um, I mean, war is the plaything of governments. It's always been, you know, the, uh, the Rothschilds, I know I keep bringing these people up, but they, uh, they have central ties to the, to the London bank, to the crown of England. Uh, and pretty much they control a vast majority of the banks around the world. And they funded both sides of the Napoleonic Wars. They funded Nazi Germany. They, they, they gave them the credit to do that. Um, and it's always going to be a plaything of governments. You know, uh, war is. And it's, it's one thing that they use to perpetuate their power um, and, and to stay in power is by having a calling to uh, arms. You know, like uh, even nationalism in a way is a construct of the government, if you think about it, because um, – I'm all for nationalism. I love America. I really do. I'm a patriot. I love well, America. Patriotism and nationalism for. is different. It, but 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 I, I think in a way though it was a construct, or it, it wasn't even maybe it wasn't made, but has been used in nefarious ways by by many countries. So it's like oh. stand for your like. I'm not talking about America in this sense. I'm talking about for example Nazi Germany, right? Stand up for for Nazi Germany because you're German. You know you were born in Germany. Nationalism. But and and my buddy has has talked about how like uh, the best way to um, offset that is by having a multipolar world, like multiple world powers that are act as a check and balance against each other. Um, and and I, I don't say I necessarily agree with that. I'm just kind of spewing all kinds of ideas. Like I'm not necessarily saying mm-hmm. I believe in all this. It's just what I've what I've taken in from the stuff I've read. But um, yeah, I mean it's it's. Uh, it, it, it can get really deep, and, and um, you know we're kind of treading into deep waters with this kind of stuff. <laughs> I, bro, I don't fucking that's, that's what this is all about. I it's it's so interesting, so fascinating, it's so scary. Um, I feel like a lot of people grow up thinking that we knew we know what we're doing. Like you know when you grow up, like what we talked about before. One of the realizations is realizing that people exist, that your parents are their own people, and they don't know what the fuck yeah. they're doing either, right? It's like I don't think a lot of people grow up um, real thinking that, oh, this was all supposed to happen. This is a part of the plan. Bro, there is no plan. No one knows what they're doing. Like government, what do you – like they don't – they didn't get a, a pass down from God that said this is how you do it. Like no one knows what the fuck is going on. Um, I, I would I would say one thing. What? I think God uh, did definitely – uh, give us natural rights uh, that, that that we have God-given natural mm-hmm. rights and that is what gives us the ability to have those rights. The government doesn't give us anything. No, yeah, The, no, the government no. through laws... Just to interject, just to say what I was saying, like, uh, I, I agree with what you're saying, but I do think that God gives us natural rights. Yeah, no, I what I mean to say is that anything that the government does, it's not the right way. It's just the way they decided to do it. It's like, who? Yeah. no one knows what the fuck's they're doing um so i i feel like a lot of people grow up thinking that and that everything's gonna be okay or everything is gonna be the way it's always been that's not true and then when you have a whole bunch of stuff happening like it is now um where you have like countries like china being fucking ridiculous it's like 
people think it's just going to be okay. It's like, no, it's no, it's not. And then with the stuff with the war and how we make money, where we spend money, should we do UBI? Is artificial intelligence going to become a thing? Are, are the corporations and capitalism taking too much? Is uh, corporations and communism taking too much? Like, no one knows what the fuck's going on. And it's scary, but it's very interesting. I don't know. I don't even know what the fucking say about this stuff. Dude, there's there's absolutely no perfect answer. Nobody no, has the answer, right? Not. And it's insane. Like like me and my dad, we have conversations about this all the time. Um, and I think that uh, America has gotten closest to being representative of the people, but we also have a, a very large amount of behind the scenes stuff going on in America. Oh and, yeah. And, oh, dude, it's like. Come. <laughs> It is insane, bro. Yeah, I mean, like, but but also, but also, our uh, uh, our fundamental tenets gave them the ability to do that, and so you know, yeah, it, it's yeah. a downfall of our of our own um, upbringing. Uh, but at the same time, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that, and so you and I wouldn't be speaking freely if it wasn't for what our constitution guarantees us. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it also guarantees free market enterprise. So Amazon can create a seeming monopoly over every single industry. You know what I mean? Just completely yeah. outlaw biz- like small business. Oh my it's gosh, insane, yeah. Dude. Also, Amazon, you kind of suck now, not only because you're you're taking away a lot of shit, but also your store, your like, online store just sucks. I, I tried to buy something yesterday. You know how long it took me to find a, a good power strip because there's phony reviews, <laughs> stupid, like, fake sellers. Like, I'm like, what? this shouldn't be yeah, this dude. hard. Um... Yeah, they're I. Well, the reason why I bring up UBI though is because recently Elon Musk uh, showed his plans to create a humanoid robot to help people like do things, um, and he's very confident, like he is in most most things, and he says he plans to have a working model between now and twenty twenty five, which you know might be exaggerating, but it looks impressive. And he was said in the conference, he said, it's things like this that make me think that UBI will be 100% necessary one day. And I'm of the mind thinking that UBI shouldn't come from the government because that's dangerous. However, what I do think is that if you're a business that elects to use automation, you have to pay taxes on that automation and that goes into UBI fund. If you don't want to pay those taxes on automation, hire real humans. Dude, I, I have never heard it from that angle before. That, that's, that's actually very like it's very intriguing, honestly. Um, because yeah, if you think about it, Amazon, if they wanted to, can just completely automate their entire industry, yep. and so one or two people would have ultimate control over trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars in influx and completely eradicate the employee base and and every and all of their costs. Have you seen Boston Dynamics? Yeah, of course. You, you see those robots, right? Yeah, dude, that's freaky, bro. Honestly, like, like it's, uh, I can see Skynet happening within twenty years if if that keeps going up. And, and I'm not even kidding. Like, I mean, like it's it's insane. Well, and and what Elon yeah. and, and Elon Musk, um, have you have you also seen that video where they put the Neuralink in the monkey and the monkey plays a video game, yeah. uh, with the with the Neuralink. And it's like because it, it, the monkey was like was like playing on these um like the, the, the just to explain to the audience uh, the the monkey initially learned how to play a game uh that game where you have the two bars I forget what it's called and you have the Han, ball going Han. through exactly and um 
it was playing it with with this mechanical device, and so it learned how to do that with its motor skills. And then eventually they put the Neuralink in it, unplugged it, they unplugged that thing from the wall, and it was still playing the game, uh, thinking about moving its hands. Yeah. And so it's insane, dude. That and, is and, and so cool. think about the applications of something as like that. That is fucking cool. Well, oh my gosh. Well, look, this is why a lot of people, bi- biologists included, which is weird think that the next step in human evolution isn't biological at all, but uh, technological, where the only way for us to evolve and keep up with where we're going is to basically become cyborgs. And, like, we already are cyborgs because our, our computer's just in our pocket instead. Um, but that's where we're going. We're going to need to evolve some way. And then what's that Elon Musk quote where he says that um, humans are the bootloaders to the... Uh, robot world basically like we're the reason why robots are going to exist at all and they're going to become sentient now i do think with the ubi thing i do think um if you had to pay a tax on each automated like robot um to go into you uh, the ubi fund i think that'd be great i also think it'd still be a good idea to use robots because um they can't get injured on the job um they don't have religious holidays um and they don't have at least right now they don't have any rights so you can do whatever the fuck you want to keep them working. Um, so that's why I think it'd end up being good if UBI was implemented. But um, with the Neuralink stuff, I I, I can't find a, a... Have you ever uh, seen the... Uh, or not seen, uh, read the book um, Brave New World? Yes, several times. Great book. So Well, very uh, kind of reminiscent of what's going on. Yeah, well, so it doesn't really talk much about like technology in the book but i feel like wherever we go as as a civilization um we're gonna like it like it's gonna be good like in in the positive like if it goes into a positive place we're gonna really like it but our past selves are gonna be like i can't believe that exists it's very so what i'm saying is i'm very scared for the future and i'm afraid to enjoy it because i don't think it's gonna be completely good you know what i'm trying to say it's yeah, a little, I'm a little. I'm I'm kind of confusing myself at the same time because there's too much going on. But yeah, read this book, dude. What is that? Super intelligence. Super, super intelligence by Nick Bostrom. Jeez, uh, dude, that, that that book phew right over my head. I mean, it's it's insane. But he he in a, I'm not gonna even say in a nutshell because I don't even understand in a nutshell what what he's saying. But um, there's gonna be this. Uh, I forget what the singularity, that's what he calls it, where we're all pretty much uploaded to this collective conscious through the Neuralink or something like that, where we're all Oh, uh, I think I know what you're talking about. Able to act, yeah, access like the 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 meta knowledge uh, of society. Uh-huh. And at that point, you know, um there becomes kind of a di- common uh direction. But but who determines what that direction is going towards is, is what I'm trying to figure out. Like, and it, it's a very interesting concept to think about the, the convergence of thought and stuff like that, because that's something that is literally like within a time span of, I mean, uh, you know, we can argue on the, the lifespan of humanity, but if we put it 10,000 years, something like that, that is a very brief amount of time. And, we're getting to that point where it's going to radically scale if we get to this this point in society. And and the way I like to think about it 
is if, for example, right, in, in communist China, mm-hmm. if they were to implement a mandate, a direct order for everybody to get the Neuralink, uh, they would have a vast advantage over us uh, because we have the individual choice whether or not to get it. And then, and then they would be like on a whole nother dimension. And so it's, it's like then, then you would have this massive uh, kind of counterbalance in the world. Um, and then I see that being a, a big problem in the future if someone were to implement something like that. Well, that's the thing with uh, why China's doing so good is because they don't they, – they're it's a dictatorship basically. Like you – they don't – their citizens don't get a choice if they don't – if they don't uh, have a like, – if they don't give a choice, they're not going to – they don't – they're not allowed to ask for one. Um, and that's why we're kind of – it, I hate saying this, but it's kind of like we're not doing as well, or we're not gonna do as well, because we ha- we are free, we have freedoms, and we have rights, and we and we can protest, and we can, uh, you know, wage war if we have to, whereas people in China can't. So you're, it is scary because they can with a flip of a switch. Just all right, everyone, go install this. We're gonna take over the world now. Like it's 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 a thing. It's that that scares me, which makes me thankful that people like Elon Musk are doing everything in America and and they're not idiots like they know they know these things I mean it was people like Elon Musk like um all the people that worked on the Manhattan project it's all those people that fled Europe because of the evil there to uh help the allies basically so I don't I think it's scary that whole China thing where they can just like mandate take the Neuralink and they'll be on a different plane of existence and they'll figure it out and we're over here, but the people that are making these technologies are over here. So I, I feel a little safe. China is an interesting subject because um, they're not a full-blown uh, dictatorship. They're, they're a mix between a certain amount of market freedom um, and government control. And my, my, my buddy Grayson uh, Walker, and, and if you're watching this, buddy, thank you for, for watching. But, um, he is a brilliant dude, and, and he, was, he talks about it all the time. About how like they have it's not perfect in any sense, and it's I don't ascribe to that that way of living either. But they have this certain level of market uh, enterprise with government control, um, and I mean in the past like twenty thirty years they have radically scaled, like radically scaled, and, and they're building like in China they're building these ghost cities. They're spending like trillions and trillions of dollars to make these entire cities like Shenzhen. I don't know if Shenzhen's an example. It's a, maybe a few others. But nobody's living there yet. Skyscrapers, massive apartment complexes, places for retail shops, uh, and they're kind of expecting a mass influx of urban li- of um, sub- um, uh, life in the country to come into the city life in the future. Um, and another interesting thing about China is that like 90% of China identifies as Han or as a metric as Han Chinese. Um, and so they all like 90% of them identify as this certain um, identity group and no other country really exists like that. If you think about America, like we are so divided, like, you know, we have people over here, people over here and it's good. There's a dichotomy and stuff uh-huh. like that. But, but I don't think America functions like it was constitutionally supposed to, to function. We, we our, our Congress, for example, doesn't function like it should. There's not deliberate, uh, intercourse between our Congress people anymore. There's not a uh, lengthy amount of times to deliberate over new laws. Like, like we had executive procedure of, uh, 
I think it's called Executive Procedure Act, something like that. Uh, Maybe wrong, but people can just pass mandates and laws like it's nothing. And in the, in, in the fourth year of Obama, they they passed eighty-seven thousand pages of uh, Executive Procedure Acts. Um, I probably keep getting that name wrong, but but that's like this, the uh, the quality of four years of deliberation in Congress. And so it's it's all kinds of crazy stuff, dude. And and um, I'm not saying one way is better than, than another, but I think that metric of 90% of China identifying as one po- like political ethnic group, that's crazy, dude, because they have the most massive amount of people in one country, one concentrated area. They all kind of think and, and uh, attribute themselves to the same kind of thinking, too. It's, it's very interesting, dude. Do you think that they would hold the same uh, philosophies and opinions if they had access to like the world internet like we do because they don't well the they they do on uh not directly and so they they access it through vpns and stuff like that um and so they can access it it's not allowed by the government but the way my buddy puts it so they don't necessarily crack down on those people as uh, as harshly as we portray it we have to think about our media, bro. Like the, the the vast majority of information we get about their country is through a very corrupt media. I mean, our media is corrupt. I mean, I don't care what oh, anybody yeah. says about yeah, it. Absolutely. We have a we have we have a corrupt media, and so so we get a very polarized view of how things go over there. Um, and so it, this is my reasoned personality coming in and, and thinking like, you know, maybe maybe it's not exactly what they're portraying it to be over there, but but maybe it is. And so I'm I'm just thinking on both sides of the fence and trying to understand where they're coming from, where we're coming from, and to make a correlation. So for the last several months, I've been very worried. Not like I don't want to say worried, because like I think it's around the corner. But like worried about China because of uh, like uh, Hong Kong, uh, Taiwan, um, and then like how they support North Korea. Um, and how they like the day after the Taliban uh, took power, uh, China recognized them as the official government. Yeah. So it's like crazy. They're not. I don't think the Chinese government are good people, and I don't think they're good for the planet or the you know well like the wellness of every single human being. I don't think it's they're good. I don't. Um, China, come over here and kill me, please. Um, but <laughs> I I can accept that we are not getting that complete truth from them um, or, or like from our media. I could accept that we're not getting the complete truth. I, I can't understand and I can't imagine that some things are lies or some things are just not understood correctly. I, I, I can't accept that. But I can't accept that it's what they're – anything they're doing – is is good for this planet? I mean, like with the Uyghur Muslims, I just can't. I can't accept any of that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, and, and trust me, I'm playing devil's advocate here. I mean, I completely agree with what you're saying. Um, but but to play devil devil's advocate even more, uh, and just play, you know, just so we can have an intercourse. Yeah, um, of course. You know, like think about Hong Kong, right? Just the idea of a Hong Kong. That's within China. Uh-huh. Uh, it's and and it's it's within the uh, the overall kind of concept of what china is brit britain uh great britain they they came over and through imperialism 
colonized and imperialized Hong Kong. Um, and the same kind of Taiwan's a different story. You had a rebel group leave from, uh, the, uh, the PLA. And then I forget what the, uh, the other group was that fled to Taiwan. Uh, they went to Taiwan, but Hong Kong's a different story. Great Britain owned them for a long time until that 99 year lease, uh, you know, was signed and then, and then it ran up. And so now we're in this, this, this period where, where China has the complete ability to overthrow Hong Kong, but they haven't yet. Um, and, but they've cracked down on them big time, big time. And, and, um, and so I'm, I'm thinking kind of in an overall view, uh, what the Chinese are thinking. They're thinking, yeah, we have claims over this Hong Kong area, right? Uh, because it's right, right uh, like who is to say that Great Britain over here, the small ass country of, of corrupt bankers uh, is able to own this. You know what I mean? This is our country. That's what they're thinking. Um, the endorsement of the Taliban that I com- I I completely am against that. That is antipode to to being good, to being good in the world. Because the Taliban does nothing good, absolutely nothing. They they kill people, they degrade women, they degrade rights, they yeah. shoot people in the streets. They're a terrorist organization, and they should be wiped off the face of the earth. I completely agree with that. I've had uh, you know people I know that have served over there. Um, my dad was in the Marines. Uh, and so I come from a, 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 a thought pattern of, yeah, Taliban fucking sucks. I hate the Taliban. Um, but Hong Kong and all that, uh, for playing a devil's advocate for the Chinese, that's something that, that they would think that they have claims over. Um, and then Taiwan's a different story. I think, I, I think Taiwan, um, that's, a, that's a difficult concept because I, I'm, I'm pro-Taiwanese independence, definitely. Um, and I'm and I'm also uh, pro the Hong Kong people thinking and believing in freedom, which they do, and I'm an advocate for that. Um, you know, and so it's 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 a tricky subject, definitely. Um, it, yeah, it it because like like we keep saying, there's so much information, it's hard to really gather your thoughts into you know one mm-hmm. like perfect stream. It, it it's it's super difficult. I it just scares me because. Um, like we said before, uh, the way China runs their country, they can, at a, at a flip of a switch, just do whatever the hell they want when they want. But with us, it takes so long to get something done. How, yeah. But the thing is, it's, it's I want it to take long to get something done here because if it doesn't take long, that means our freedoms are be, being taken away from us. Um, and, that, and that's scary. Uh, I think, like, I'm, I'm a, I, I'm in love. I don't want that sounds ridiculous, but I really I'm a huge supporter of the Second Amendment, and I feel like hey, that's hey. one of the biggest things that protects our country. Um, that in our uh, geography, because we have two mountain ranges on both sides of our country. Um, so I'm I'm a huge Second Amendment uh, advocate, and I feel like that's the biggest thing protecting us, not only from our own government but from uh, other countries. And I'm fearful of China, but I think China's smart, and I think what they're doing. And they've been doing it for a while, just like Russia kind of did, um, and we've been doing in other countries, is uh, they're waging a culture war. And, like, they own so much of our universities and the curriculum that we're allowed to teach. Um, they have a, a huge—they have their hand in our, like, uh, what's it called? Uh, like, our, our power grid. So it's like they are changing the culture, and then they don't have to wage war. Um, we're going to—I we, mean, like, I, I, I had this guest on. Um, he's actually my cousin, and he he tried to explain what communism is to me. And both of us agree that on paper, communism is perfect, but in practice, it's the worst thing you could ever do. Um, because the only way communism could work is if each person on the planet was 
benevolent. Like we wanted the best for everybody and like we weren't evil. But no, that's not true. We're selfish. We're humans. We're horrible things, right? I don't think it could work, but people in America are like, I want communism. I want uh, to silence uh, people. I want to, um, like, so it's, shit's getting crazy, man. And listen, don't, don't get me wrong, bro. I am the staunchest advocate for every precept of the constitution, every single one. Uh-huh. And yesterday I was at a school board meeting, just, degre- just, just, uh, obliterating critical race theory. Wait, what were you and, doing and at before- a school board meeting? Oh, I, I'm, I'm, uh, p- politically active locally. That's and fucking so, cool. Uh, yeah, and so like I, I go up and I speak. Um, I've done two speeches so far, and I I literally just got involved. But um, the first one I was talking about these these really demonic statues downtown Greenville, where I live in Ooh. South Carolina. Right. Um, but but you know I, I I'm talking about a lot of things. First Amendment and Second Amendment are vital uh, in order to 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 safeguard the First Amendment. You need the Second Amendment, hundred percent. You need you need the right to bear arms in order to protect yourself and enforce your own ability to to have free speech. Free communication is essential for a society to move forward. I, I think that without free and open dialogue, uh, you won't have a truly representative society. That the minute you start putting a label of misinformation on something, uh, it, you're going straight into the communist playbook or, or the Marxist playbook or whatever you want to call. Um, and and, and that's fundamentally un-American, completely against it. I hate censorship. Nobody should be censured. Um, if if information is truly non-true, it will be proven through the yeah. scientific process. It, it would be proven through evidence, and it, it, it would you would not need to censor it, right? And so so that's what these people are getting completely wrong, and it should be blatantly obvious to anybody with a reasoned mind that the minute somebody somebody is getting censored, that they're probably right, and I gotta <laughs> I gotta go dive into what this person's saying, right? And so yeah, that, that's what I'm thinking. Um, and and for the audience that that was uh, hearing me playing uh, devil's advocate for China a little while ago, I am fundamentally American in all aspects, all aspects. And I, I'm, I, I stand up every day uh, and I support America because we are living in a, in a time in which all of our rights are up, up on the shopping block right now, every single one of them. Yeah. Um, it's a very scary time. But, but I think that popular movement, popular uh, uprising, not, not necessarily going into, the, yeah, going into the streets, protesting, using, using your right to protest, but also mass um, – uh, unconformity is the way forward. I think it, 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 not adhering to the CDC's guidance or something like that, because a lot of what they do is unfactual. It really is. If you if you look into the evidence of, of the stuff that they're purveying, it's unfactual. If you actually look into it, and and the people that that are on the CDC, I don't want to get into the go the for whole, it, man. No, uh, fuck off. Let's do let's do it. Do whatever you want, man. We're here for it. It's, it's just, dude. Like like it's it's misinformation. It really is. And, and if, if, if you really had to uh, prove – if you really were trying to implement things like masks, you wouldn't have to censor the misinformation of masks not being effective. You would not have to do that, right? They would prove themselves to be true. They, the vaccines would prove themselves to be true, and all the countermeasures that we're putting into place would prove themselves to be true. But it's proven not to be true because you have so many instances of states that are not implementing these standards, not following the CDC guidance not doing all these things and they are still they are they're actually under the curve because the masks the vaccines all of these stuff uh, you know 
the, the masks especially, they carry bacteria. They, they cause respiratory problems. They don't actually prevent influx of viral material because they're not minutely small enough. Uh, like if you, look, if you look at a mask through a microscope, the threads on a mask are 100 microns apart. A virus is 15 to 25 microns in diameter. Zoop right through. It's, it's not going to do anything. And, and, and the MF, uh, M, I think it was the MX95 mask. That was the, the, no, the, uh, I know you're talking about. But it says on the box, bro. It says on the box, this will not stop viral transmission. And, and, and on the CDC's website, it says that the vaccines do not stop viral uh, now, contagion. I do agree with a lot of what you're saying. The only thing I, I have a problem with is, although I don't, I don't think the mask will prevent you from uh, getting the virus, I do think it reduces the spread I do think it gets through, but I don't. I don't think it has the same amount of range. Honestly, like it's if you're coughing or sneezing in a mask, the virus is going to escape the mask. But I don't think it'll travel as far, and I think it'll have less, you know, kinetic energy to stay in the air or get to one person or another. And that's why it's the mask combined with social distan- distancing. Um, I'm not afraid of the virus enough to, you know, really defend or um, tear down that argument. But I do, I do think the mask helps, but it doesn't prevent. It doesn't prevent, but it might slow it down a little bit. So uh, my take is that you can't completely stop a respiratory uh, illness. If, 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 we, if it really worked, then everybody would be masking up all the time for the flu. It's the same kind of thing, right? Uh-huh. People would be masking up for, for the cold. It's the same thing. It's an airborne respiratory disease, and it's, it's seasonal. And the funny thing is is that the whole thing that they were pushing with the vaccines was that it would, um, it would, it would provide immunity, but it doesn't. And the, and the CDC openly Did they say that. that? Did they say it would provide immunity? Oh, oh yeah, dude. To, to be, cause, because, well, think about the narrative, right? If you got the vaccine, you would, you would go back to normal. You will be able to take off well, the mask. I know what vaccine. Yeah, to- I know what vaccine means, and I know what they're used for, and I know why you get a vaccine. And I do think it is kind of like false advertising. But did they like definitely say it'll be it'll cause immunity? Okay, so through the narrative, you will be able to make the deduction okay. that if you if they say that you got the vaccine, you will be able to go back to normal and and not socially distance and not do all this stuff. That that would. Uh, entail immunity and so any yeah and, and that's that's what, that's why people are so bamboozled like they're like why are we going back to all these mandates after i have to take the vaccine it's yeah. like like what's going on right mm-hmm. and it's because they 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 they're they're messing with us and now and now they're trying to add these booster shots in there you know it, yeah. it, it's like it's it's like dude it, it's it, it will never end if people don't stand up and protest it and not I'm never going to take it. That's my personal choice. It's someone else's personal choice to take it. That's why we live in America, yeah. and I, that's why I love America. Well, right? Um, but but yeah. I, I don't think I'm necessarily a threat to anybody else if I don't take it because it doesn't provide immunity, and taking the vaccine does not provide immunity. Yeah. Unless you, unless you currently have the virus, you're probably not cause, posing a threat to somebody. Um, yeah, and I also think like getting the virus and getting over the virus, I. Isn't that safer than um, just getting the vaccine? Like, well, building your so, own immunities to it. Yeah, yeah, dude. 
natural immunity lasts a lot longer than the artificial immunity provided by uh, vaccines, 100%. And it's also creating antibody-dependent enhancement. And so, like, you're you're pretty much screwing up your immune system. Because, you know, they, they still and, make uh, you get the vaccine even if you've already had it. Had uh, the vaccine or had the if, if virus? You, if you had the virus and got over it, they still make you get the vaccine. Yeah, it's, it's what I don't get. It's like you, you have a natural immunity. And the natural immunity is proven to not only last longer, but to be just as effective. And, and, and they say on the disclosures that the vaccines, and I know I keep reiterating this, but it's not going to provide immunity. All it's going to do is just diminish the effects a little yeah. bit. Um, and I, I think if, if everybody, uh, just in, in a tailspin, if everybody were to take more preventative measures, healthy living, if you look at the amount of people who are pretty much affected by the vaccine, the virus, uh, and, and are in the hospital, 75% of them have pre-existing health conditions. 75% of them are overweight. And, and, and so um, a, a lot of healthy people aren't necessarily – I don't know. I mean, it, you know, it, it's, it's a lot to take in. But, it, it, um, it is a lot to take in. Um, most people – sorry, most, most people that I meet no, – Most people that I meet, most people that I talk to agree with everything you're saying, um, which I find it funny because the pe- the reason why – this is a big argument is because the only people making the argument about this, about taking the vaccine and doing this, this and that are happening online and on Twitter and on like Instagram yeah. and Facebook where most people I meet, like, no, not even most, all the people I've ever met in the last year and a half d- don't think that this is a good idea. All the people I know of people um, who are in favor of the vaccine and stuff. But everyone I've ever been in the same room as in the last year and a half agree with what you're saying, um, which is a huge red flag. I mean, like, if everyone feels this way, what the fuck is going on? Um, which, and, and I'm not really afraid. I, I, I am a little bit, but I'm not entirely afraid of the vaccine. and I'm not entirely afraid of the virus, but I am afraid of the precedent it's setting. Because what if one day, going back to Brave New World, right? What if one day... I'm not allowed to t- attend a college or I'm not allowed to uh, do this, this, or that unless I got my depression vaccine. Like, So it's like I'm afraid that it's going to become normal, and I, that's that's what I don't want. I'm in favor of vaccines. I, I think they're important. I think they are what helps humanity grow and, and stay alive, and I think everyone should get the vaccines that they need to get. But I'm afraid of this one because it's still experimental, and there's been so many things about this, and because... They're forcing you to get it by not allowing you to go to work or go to school. That's what makes me scared. Same. I mean, I, I completely, completely agree with you. And and I think that, the, you know, the other vaccines that are uh, forced or mandated rather, um, they're, they're good. They're, they're, they're good because they, they give you just a little bit of the actual viral uh, uh, particle. I, I don't even know what it is. They, they give you a little bit of the, of the virus in your body to provide – your body with the natural immune system to a uh, natural immune response to deflect it. We've never had an mRNA vaccine before. And the person who has said, uh, the person who created the mRNA vaccine openly says, uh, I forget the guy's, the doctor's name, but, but this is open information. He openly says that people should not take this experimental drug because that's exactly what it is. It's an experimental guinea pig drug. Um, and a lot of people are being exposed to this. And it, we don't know the long-term effects. It just now, like two days ago, passed FDA trials. Just like it, that has never happened before. 
we, we've never had something emergency youth authorization pushed on people as adamantly as as it has been pushed on people and 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 i agree with what you're saying it's a snowball effect you know what i mean like it's um mayor de blasio uh you know cuomo before he resigned they're all like um you know newsom in california they're all like you cannot do this if you do not take your vaccine and going back to our earlier argument of war being an artifice of the government to use in their own favor. This is exactly the same scenario, but in a modern sense with vaccines. And it'll it'll go down the road, and then the next thing we know, we'll never take off the masks. We'll never have any kind of freedoms because they'll keep diminishing uh, everything about our individuality, our freedom, and our ability to make our own reason choice. They're going to say, whatever you may believe, you have to rely on the expert. You have to rely on Dr. Fauci, right? You have to rely on the CDC. And that's what they're going to say. And, and that's the precedent we're setting with this. Um, and that's why I think uh, no matter what you believe, you can take it if you want to take it. You can do what you want if you want to do it. But you have to you have to take your stance um, on whether or not you're going to take it or not, not be coerced into doing something and to make a reasoned choice based on, on evidence and not upon conjecture of media outlets who are owned by the government. The government owns the media. And that's the whole pusher of this this whole narrative, the vaccine and all that. So yeah, that's my two cents. Well, I, I mean? it's also scary because there's nowhere to go. I mean, like, every country, like, you see Australia? Yeah. I mean, like... Dude, you can't go outside in Australia. You see what happened, like, they, they say, today or yesterday? Like, the, the riots going on? Not riots, but the protests yeah. going on there? The guy on the horse, like, yeah. yelling at people? or Like, it's just getting crazy. Pe- pe- pepper spraying people? Like, like th- they say you cannot talk to your friend in Australia. Like, like I-, I listened to the prime... I think they have a prime minister. I think that's what it is. <laughs> she was like, you cannot talk to your friends. Like, you cannot go outside. And, and I was listening to this interview um, of... Uh, I'll have to find the uh, the Instagram uh, post and I'll have to send it to you. But uh, th- he interviewed this guy from Australia and he got arrested for being out with his buddies and, and just having a good night outside, right? And and they were pulled up on by uh, two horse cops and literally thrown onto the ground and arrested because they were outside when they weren't supposed to be outside. I think that's radical and it should not be allowed. Ridiculous. And, and if we keep going down this rabbit hole, it's going to happen in America, 100%. The only, and, and I was talking to my girlfriend about this, how she, it's it's actually really funny how it happened, but she was confused and she was angry. She was like, I hate how all this stuff is happening in Australia. Like, oh my gosh, all of this is going to happen in America. I don't understand. Like, this is so coming over here. And I'm like, Amanda, you're forgetting. They don't have guns there. And she's like, oh, okay, I get it now. Yeah, she, she Second forget- Amendment, baby. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh my gosh. It's, I... I made you so angry. Real quick, um, I feel like we're coming towards the end of this. However, Easton just said he's available. You want me to send him a link and, and, and close out Let's with us? Let's go, dude. Okay, wait, hold on. on in. Give me your email and join. Hey, if you bring Easton on, we might be on for a little longer. That's fine. I'm okay <laughs> with that. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm okay with it too. I got nothing else to do. As, long, as long as you guys... Send this uh, podcast to the roof so everyone watches it. I'm fine. Everybody, I'm posting it online, dude. Everyone, do I? I, I think everybody. Um, I'm. I'm really. Listen, 
the second you get a chance, you got to, you got, okay, listen, it's, it's a lot of money, but come to Jersey, you know, hang out for a little bit. Dude, um, I'd love to. It'd be a lot of fun. I, I, I kind of want to call Easton because I'm afraid he won't get the message. I'm going to call him real quick. Yeah, call him. Wait, actually? He's the man, dude. I, I love Easton. Let me make sure my Bluetooth is hooked up to this. But yeah, bro, I appreciate you you having me on, man. It's been a fun, it's been a really good oh, time. Oh, it's dude. great. You, and so you said in your thing that you're like into neurobiology or? Big time. I love it. How'd you get into neurobiology? Uh, Andrew Huberman, the guy I was Oh, I was that's talking, the guy you just talking listening. about. Okay. Yeah. I just started listening to his podcast and, and the guy really got me into it. And then um, I've got, I got this book, dude. Look at this. I found this at a, at a thrift store. I'm looking this thing at this. was made in like written in like 1845 um the pages are falling out i started reading it it's pretty cool you like you can look at all like describe it really well because they can't see you actually right now it's just like the pages are falling out and shit like but it goes over the whole anatomy hold on i'm emailing uh i'm emailing him so i actually can't see what you're showing me right now give me a second oh that's all right okay how do what the fuck is going on it's just an old book with the pages falling out (laughs) that's all it is um. Wait, send. Come on, send. Oh, okay, send. Hell. Oh uh, yeah. Um. Yeah, I've got so many books. Um. Uh, oh man, I can't. I can't wait to listen to in This that'd be so fucking fun. Dude, I I love reading, man. I've got. Oh my gosh, yeah. Hell yeah. I've got. I've got a huge backlog, man. I've got a huge backlog. Um. I'm actually reading the Bible right now. I've got a hundred. Hey, me too. I've got like 110 pages left. Um, awesome man. I the 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 Old Testament was hard to get through. Um, the New Testament is so much easier. <laughs> Dude, hundred percent. I mean, like, I think the uh, the the New Testament is a lot more practical too. I, I it's it's a lot more history in the Old Testament. Yeah, it's it's like kind of scary too. Some of the stuff that it talks about. I I just can't wait till I get to the end of the New Testament when it talks about uh the apocalypse. That stuff really interests me. Um, Revelations. Yeah, well, in my my book, it's called Apocalypse. Um. I, that's the thing I hate about the Bible is that there's so many. Oh, Easton's here. There's so many different kinds that like I, I'm always worried that I'm not reading the best kind. Um, oh, is the end? Easton, let's go. Where's what's going at? on, man? You what's up? Him? Hey, what's going Easton. on, man? What is up, Ethan? It's been a fucking what's while, up, man. brother. Hey, I, I love you. Growing out the beard, man. You're looking good, dude. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, so Easton, it, take what's a look. Up, Mark? We're uh, we're we're towards the tail end of this podcast. We we wanted to invite you like what, like an hour ago or something. Cause we were talking about NFTs, but we're kind of, we're kind of over that. Now we're just talking about like politics and government in China and shit, but uh, it wouldn't be right if we didn't end up inviting you anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, for anyone that doesn't know Easton, this man right here is who uh, introduced Ethan and us. So that's kind of, that's pretty fucking awesome. Um, what are we, what are we talking about Ethan? What can we ask Easton real quick? Dude, we we were down a rabbit hole, bro. Like we were talking all kinds of stuff. We we, we were talking. Um, how do we finish that up? Just uh, I don't even remember, dude. Bro, like we've been bro. on all kinds of stuff. We were talking. We were talking about something. Oh, with the vaccines and stuff. Yeah, yeah, the vaccines. Yeah, pose. Are we? Getting, are, yeah. we get, are we? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, fuck it, bro. I don't give a shit. I mean, like, if anyone's still watching this episode, I doubt they're leaving. So at this point, whoever's here is here to stay. So say yeah. whatever you want. <laughs> We love y'all, dude. We love yeah. y'all. So, um, you, where can we pick back up uh, to get Easton's opinions? I, I so, feel like oh, wait, 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 wait. I feel like we're kind of like Easton. We're gonna back you into a corner. You don't have a choice. Thanks for joining. <laughs> so, 
Okay, I, I guess, Easton, uh, we were talking about the snowball effect of mandating vaccines on people and all of these other vaccines. We, uh, I, I don't know if, if Mark thinks the same way, but I think it's a perpetual crisis that will never end if people don't say – uh, take a hard stance on these kind of things and stand up for what they believe in. Um, and then slowly and slowly and slowly we'll go down this, this rabbit hole of more and more government control. Uh, the government will keep expanding. And uh, yeah, exactly. So that, that's, that's kind of where we were. We, what's your opinion on, on everything, current events that's going on? Like, what do you think's going on? What's your opinion? What's your take? Like, where do you stand? That kind of thing. I think when it comes to anything, especially, just life in general, but especially the government, until you stick up and you set your own, you set your own boundaries, they're going to just keep pushing. And if that's like taxing you more money, if that's pushing like, like food on you or vaccines or whatever it might be, they're going to just keep pushing until you like step up and you push back. Beautiful. Could have said it better myself. Yeah. Yeah. So they, that, that's what, that's what's all things. That's just how it is. I mean, like, and that's why everyone's so scared. Uh, most people I meet anyway are so scared because it's, it's yeah, sure, this is no problem right now, but it could grow into something pretty big. And it's the whole slippery slope kind of thing. And I know people say, oh, it's the slippery, that's a that's a fallacy. Slippery slope isn't a real thing. And I'm like, bro, yeah, yeah it is. That's, yeah, it yeah, is. It is. Um, yeah, it's, it, it scares me. I don't, like, I, I don't want to go all the way back into it. I also don't want, because I'm kind of, we're kind of blindsiding Easton here a little bit, but <laughs> let's, um, because we're closing out soon, and I, I, I can go on with you, Ethan, forever. Um, and I think we should save it for when you do come to Jersey eventually. Which, uh, yes, Easton, sir. Easton's going to be doing – Easton, when, whenever he's in the city or something, he said. I don't know what we talked about on our episode, but I'm going to get him here eventually too. Like, I got you – I'm also going to South Carolina. Holy um, shit! Yeah, no dude. way! No, yeah, he, we, we were talking about a, a, we had to move the, the date, but we planned something out where he's going to come down here and we're going to have a podcast. And so maybe, maybe it would be better if we all meet in New Jersey uh, with you and, and sit down because you you have the podcast set up. That was my one thing. That was my one dilemma. Like, you know, yeah. I can talk with y'all all day long. I just don't have the, the setup yet. Well, um, and you do I'll be down brother. for that. So. Fucking come down. I've got room for six people, you know? Um, that would be awesome. Yeah. And I also wouldn't mind, like, if you guys want to do your, your own recording, I mean, like, if you want to... Like I don't know how long you'd be here. I don't know how much time you got, but I know you guys want to, you you'd want to do your own interviews with each other. I mean, like we'll we'll figure it out. We'll find a time and we'll talk it over. But come down whenever. I'm I, yeah. I'd be super excited. Um, also, Kate is gonna be here around October, November. Um, but uh, what else? Is that the buddy you were talking about earlier? Or? Yeah, yeah. Easton knows Kate. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know um, Kate too. Oh wait, Kate. Uh, what's his last name? What's his last name? Bergham, I think. The the the. the Oh yeah, the yeah. growth guy, the, yeah. the network marketer. No, no, yeah, dude, wait. Yeah, we uh, okay, never no. Different no, guy. no, 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 no. The other podcast, <laughs> the other podcast where I put you on. His name is uh, his middle name is Journey. That's all I know. I don't think we um we yeah we definitely didn't actually hop on a podcast, Ethan. Um, yeah, I think, not yet, but yeah, Bergman. Bergman is. Yeah, his I re- I remember who you're talking about though. Definitely, yeah. Um, but he's gonna be coming cool. down. Um, if. I think we should we we should sign out in a second, but but I would, I do want to ask, and I'm and I'm not even gonna respond to it because I I don't want to muddy the waters. 
E- oh, I might have to. Easton, uh, explain NFTs real quick. In a very basic term, NFTs, it stands for non-fungible token, and non-fungible means unique. So it's a unique a- it's a unique digital asset that shows proof of ownership on the blockchain. Okay, so then, e- Ethan, you were right. And then, uh, sort of, like, uh, Easton has a much more comprehensive knowledge of it than I do. I, I was talking, because me and Easton were actually talking about uh, the, and this is something Easton can elaborate on, but the um, integrations of that with real estate. I mean, I, th- I think it's big, like, how you could decentralize ownership of real estate and have it kind of, like, as a fund where people can buy into a, to a, a physical piece of property once it's digitalized and tokenized. Um, and so, like, for example, like, like somebody can have the option of taking a solid asset, a real piece of property, converting it to a non-fungible token, and then having people buy into it, kind of like buying into a stock or something like that. And so you'll have like 600 people owning one house or something like that on the blockchain, and then it scales up as the property appreciates, and then you can cash out your money at the very end. And so I think that's something that is very um, cool to think about. Uh, in the future, it allows the small man to get into real estate because because right now, you know, whether you like it or not, you got to have some kind of capital to get into real estate, uh-huh. and and you have to know people, you have to make the network connections, you have to know fundamental basics of of real estate, uh, but it could have a profound impact on the small man getting them into real estate um, with these non fungible tokens, and so I think that's something big in the future coming. Nice. All right. Well, I think that was a pretty good way to way to say all of that. Um, boom, boom. Le, we're gonna we're gonna end. listen, uh, Ethan. Don't uh, hang up because I'm gonna debrief you and everything. Ethan, you can hang out for a little bit if you'd like. Uh, you you're a free man. Do whatever you want. You can hang out with us. Um, we live in America, baby. We live in America. But <laughs> what's that, Joey Diaz? You know Joey Diaz, the comedian. Joey. Uh, uh, you gotta look Maybe. him up because he's like, "This is America, motherfuckers!" If you ain't uh, <laughs> fucking some, he's fucking hilarious. He's great. But anyway, um, this is a great episode. Thank you so much. I've got. Oh yeah. So listen, man, come down for screenshots. Come down for a regular MGC show. I don't care. I'm super excited. Um, I learned a lot from you. I think this was fantastic. Uh, I'm gonna have all of your stuff in the description. Everyone can take a look at your your things, your stuff. You can follow you. He's got a podcast. He's got on his Instagram. Like, let, look him up, guys. Go check him out. He's a great time. Um, and thank you so much, man. Um, I really appreciate this, dude. You're the man, bro. It's been a pleasure talking Hell, to you. Like, yeah. we definitely are on the same wavelength in a lot of aspects. And I, I am really looking forward to coming down uh, to Jersey and having this Hell podcast yeah. in person with y'all. So we're going to have <laughs> a good time. Hell yeah. All right, guys. Thank you for watching, and we will catch you in the next one. Peace. It's all over. Listen, we had a rough couple of months. Fucking Katrina's cousin Maria. The other one, Puerto Rico, Houston, fucking Florida. Listen, it's been tough up to now. The earthquake in Mexico. You know, the White House, whoever the fuck is going on, but it don't matter. They want to shoot, it's time for us to fucking shoot, cocksuckers. They want to get down and dirty, don't forget who the fuck we are, you understand me? We're the baddest motherfuckers out there. You send a message to that fucking North Korean, he's going to be sniffing my dick and sucking my asshole. That's the focus. We're going to North Korea in like a year. It's going to be an island. It's going to glow in the dark. You know why? Because we're Americans, cocksuckers. Who the fuck do you think you're dealing with? 
Stop with the gun control. They're selling more guns than ever the last three days. Stop with the fucking whining. Stop with the Russians on Facebook. I don't give a fuck. Worry about yourself. Keep your eyes open. And get the fuck off Snapchat and fucking Twitter, cocksucker. Stay black.